Hi, everybody. Ezra Levant here in Toronto, Canada. I'm at the world headquarters of Rebel News. As I have been doing, especially in the last few weeks, um, we have a live stream every day at 1 p.m. Eastern Time where we talk about the news of the day. I have a, a more programmatic show at 8 p.m. Eastern. But um, one of the reasons I'm excited to be in this chair is there's so much news going on in the world. Now, most of it is terrible news, I should tell you. But we are in the news business, and it's important to tell you the other side of the story, especially given the propaganda from the regime media or the mainstream media. And, of course, the largest story in the world these days are the winds of war gathering in Israel after the dramatic surprise attack by Hamas terrorists on southern Israel uh, two and a half weeks ago that killed 1,400 Jews and Arabs and Muslims, I should add, and took over 200 more hostage. Our chief Australian correspondent, Avi Yamini, is in Israel, along with our courageous videographer, Benji. They both have bulletproof uh, vests and helmets, and we're hoping that keeps them safe. Uh, the war has not been joined fully by Israel yet. They've been um, waiting, and apparently Avi has the latest on that. Let's go to him now live, where it is already nighttime in Israel. Avi, nice to see you again. Thanks, Ezra. Yeah, um, so there is breaking news as we come to air tonight. Just moments ago, it's been reported that um, Hamas is going to, there's an agreement made where Hamas is about to release 50 dual citizens. I imagine, I'm guessing that that's all the dual citizens. So that's about a quarter of the known um, hostages. There's 210 that's known. There's also, keep in mind, there's one to 200 um Israelis still missing, unconfirmed whether they're dead uh, somewhere in uh, this southern Israel on the border or within Gaza, or they're, they're also hostages. But there's at least 210 confirmed hostages, minus 50 that will be released, which explains why they haven't um, entered yet. And it makes a lot more sense to, to people here on the ground. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a bizarre situation to be talking about civilian hostages in wars. Prisoners of war are captured all the time and they're treated um, in certain ways. They have certain rights that are protected. Um, they're not treated as criminals, by the way. They're just detained until the hostilities are over. But it is unprecedented. In, in fact, it is not considered war to take civilian uh, casualties. That is terrorism, barbarism. The Latin term in law is humanae hostis, which means um, it, it's basically being a pirate. It's being uh, an, an odious terrorist. And the fact that the West is negotiating with these terrorists is so unusual, but it's being treated as sort of normal, isn't it? I mean, um, this, quote, war between a nation and a terrorist group and you have Secretary of State Blinken negotiating and splitting the difference. It's it's just so weird that we consider this normal, I guess. Yeah, it is, isn't it, Ezra? And, and the fact that there's still news networks out there that will refuse to call them terrorists when they're literally still holding uh, 210, at least 210 hostages, you know, only a couple of kilometres from here. We're, we're 600 metres from the border um, it's really quiet at the moment, so um, that could have something to do with this latest announcement and the process of it happening. I do imagine if that is all the dual citizens um, 
which it makes sense it is. It's about a quarter of the uh, the the hostages. So if that is all the dual citizens, I, I imagine uh, we're going to see that entrance into Gaza soon after that. Uh, the, the night, Saturday night, uh, fr- Friday night, sorry, the, the night that uh, was rumoured that uh, the, the, the IDF forces would enter and uh, in the 11th hour, two American citizens were, the first two American citizens were released. Um, it, it was it was intensive uh, uh, bombardment from Israel, which is what you would expect uh, prior hours prior to a, 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 any sort of entrance. So we'll be here. We'll watch this space closely, and I'll tell the viewers, anyone that does want to watch it, uh, while I'm sitting here and and waiting to see it unfold, I'm bringing people along on the on the journey so they can they can actually tune in live at the truth about the war dot com. Uh, and uh, watch it unfold with us. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're there, and uh, I'm glad you're safe so far, thank God, and, of course, take steps to stay safe. I know that's a difficult thing to say in a war zone. Um, Something else happened today that uh, I have not uh, looked at too carefully because I don't think I have the heart for it. Um, There have been um, skeptics. Uh, It would be a positive way of phrasing it, but there have been deniers, sort of like Holocaust deniers, who said, no, no, the Jews didn't really get massacred by Hamas terrorists. They weren't really raped and tortured. And I understand that today, uh, 200 foreign journalists were shown the most graphic and barbaric evidence. They were asked not to film it because these are children and women and some men who are, you know... uh, who are part of families and who it's a spectacular and horrific news story that ought to be told. But how do you tell that when there's a mother and father crying? So I understand that 200 journalists were shown the most shocking proof firsthand. And um, I've seen some reports from journalists who were in there um, that it it was just, you know, I'm sure they'll get post-traumatic stress from what they saw. Uh, do you have any news mm. on that, or did you did you follow yeah, that online? We, well, we were invited to that, and I chose specifically not to go because I I could see how many journalists were going to it, and uh, and and because I knew that after the fact, some of these videos will be released anyways. Um, I just you've got to choose on the ground. Yeah. You've got to choose where you're going to be, especially when you're one team. Uh, we're choosing to be here, which, uh, interestingly, to note for you is this. Unlike the um, the, the space that we were, the point, um, uh, the vantage point that we were a few nights ago, where we were uh, under a lot of fire, fifty rockets directed at us. And and to keep in mind that in this area, the Iron Dome has actually been switched off. Um, that is to save money because it has been evacu- evacuated. Uh, 30,000 people have been evacuated from this town alone. And similar, there's hundreds of thousands displaced Israelis at the moment living in camp tents as well as in hotels in, in uh, across Israel, especially Alat, but also Ramat Gan. Um, so they've turned off the Iron Dome here so that uh, because each, each rocket costs them $60,000 US to to basically um, within that um, system. So um, uh, when we were in that spot, there was a lot of rocket fire in our direction. And when we're running backwards and forwards to the, uh, to the protection, to the bunker. Um, But in this spot here is where the media, it's a good vantage point over Gaza. So all that there is Gaza, right? But the media kind of comes here in the day. Um, They get their uh, piece, the cameras, or they pre-record and pretty much 
uh, well, definitely last night we were the only ones left at the moment. There's a couple of inter- there's about two other international crews still here. It's only early. It's about eight pm. The it usually gets quite lively from about now. So it is, it is, um, it is interesting to note that it is particularly quiet, which I'd I'd speculate has to do with uh, the transfer of those fifty hostages, which would be a logistical operation because I'm sure they're not keeping the 50 in one space and we know about the tunnels that are underneath there. So uh, I I imagine the next 24 hours is going to be particularly interesting once they are released and then whether the Israeli Defence Forces are going to move straight in. Uh, I, I find it hard to believe that they're going to wait any more time to negotiate about the rest of them because uh, I dare say, even if they do manage to get the rest of them, Israel promises their civilians, uh, promises the world, has to show their enemies that this is this can't happen again. So they need to win this war for so many reasons. They need to dismantle Hamas for several reasons. So I don't imagine Hamas releasing any Israeli um, soldiers. I can't imagine the horrors they're going through right now, men, women, children, babies in there. I know that... Um, the the socialist left and the jihadis that are, are, are marching in their hundreds of thousands around the world are not talking about that. Um, they're only showing the devastation that is in response to the fact that there are still hostages, to the fact that they were it's on the streets here, um, terrorists two weeks ago, went house to house looking for Jews to butcher, maim, rape and kidnap. Um, but uh, so I would encourage all the viewers, uh, you know, if, if this story does matter to you and it should matter to you, uh, the truth about the war.com, you can follow the latest. And, and we're also, we started last night, these live feeds um, where it's very casual. We're just, you're watching it with me and I'm talking to people in the comments, uh, including some trolls, but uh, we've got uh, tonight, we're, we're a little bit more prepared mm-hmm. um, because you know, Ezra, it's, you know, I noticed through this there is a lot of hate in this conversation and it, and we are outnumbered. We are outnumbered. We've got the mainstream media, um, you know, publishing stories uh, based on the word of terrorists, um, publishing them as fact, feeding the army of, you know, j- just look at the Muslim world, most of the Muslim world, not all today, but most of the Muslim world, take these opportunities to show their true colours and hate on the Jews. Um, and then on top of that, their, their unholy alliance with the socialist left who also hate the Jewish state for their own reasons and Jews for their own reasons. Um, so you, you can feel it. I, you know, I'm feeling it. My family's feeling it. Everybody's feeling the kind of hate, even the fact that we're doing this. But it's important for people to keep talking about it. And it's important that even in the face of all that hate, to stand up and, and and stand for what is right, it's uncomfortable. Even as somebody who who has family here, who has served here, um, you know, I, I can understand. I've seen so many in the political space who have backed, you know, walked back their support because they're 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 feeling that that barrage of hate. Um, but then I want to, you know, I, I want to commend those also that are that are brave enough to withstand it. And I, 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 I know that for me, maybe it's easier because, you know, I have I have to care. We're talking about my my family's own existence. But um, for those that don't have a dog in the race, uh, and and I think everyone should care because the fact is, if, even if you think you don't have a dog in the race, the fact is, as we've seen around the world, they're coming to a city near you. 
and they come for the Jews first and then they'll come for each and every one of us in Canada and Australia and the U.S. next. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, Avi, thank you for the update there and uh, thanks for doing journalism around the clock. And I um, appreciate you being there on behalf of our viewers because we simply can't trust the mainstream media. I think the hospital story from last week proves that where Hamas announced that a, ho a hospital was destroyed by an Israeli missile. They said 500 were dead. None of those facts were true. The hospital was not destroyed. It wasn't hit at all. There were not 500 dead. It was not an Israeli missile. Apparently, it was a missile from Palestinian Islamic Jihad, and there was a fire in a parking lot. Um, Mm. So uh, from the BBC to the New York Times on down, every journalist ran with that story. And then politicians ran with that story, including Justin Trudeau, who then took half a week to, to quote, look into it. And uh, but by that point in time, the lie had spread around the world. And there's and absolutely it's fed, no, it's fed this height. Yeah, yeah, there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that a billion people in the world believe that lie because the mainstream media propagated it. Well, Avi, thanks very much. And folks, you can keep an eye on what Avi's doing at thetruthaboutthewar.com. And if you feel moved to do so, please chip in to help cover the cost of his journey, including uh, his personal protection that he's wearing there. Thanks, Avi. Thanks, Ezra. All right, there you have it. Well, um, I, I mentioned earlier a, a concept, and I don't want to go too far, too far down it, but um, there is a kind of person that is so destructive that the law over the course of time has a special category for them. And they include slavers, like slave ships and terrorists and pirates. And when, when we hear the word pirate in 2023, we sort of laugh because the only pirates we know about are the, are the fun ones like Captain Jack Sparrow in Pirates of the Caribbean. But, um, Pirates, uh, there still are atrocious pirates in the world, and pirates are kidnappers and murderers and hostage takers. And um, and if you can go to that page I put in the live stream, Olivia, I just want to read a little bit about, it's a Latin phrase, hostis humani generis, which means an enemy of all mankind. And it's just a Wikipedia entry, so it's... Uh, it's not perfect, but it is a legal term of art that originates in admiralty law, like I say, for slave ships. Before the adoption of public international law, pirates and slavers were already held to be beyond legal protection and so could be dealt with by any nation, even one that had not been directly attacked. A comparison can be made between this concept and the common law of writ of outlawry, which declared a person outside the king's law, a literal outlaw, subject to violence and execution by anyone. The ancient Roman civil law concept of proscription and the status of homos, I don't know how to say that word, sacer, conveyed by prescription may also be similar. Thanks, I just wanted to read that. That's enough of that. But my point is, <clears throat> terrorists are not within the laws of war. And you might say the laws of war, what's that? That's a joke. No, there are laws of war. The laws of war, which we've heard a lot about from people criticizing Israel, are don't deliberately attack civilians. Don't, um, you know, if, if someone surrenders, take them prisoner. Don't murder them. Those are a couple of examples. Um, now, of course, 
you might say, well, hang on, didn't the Allies firebomb the city of Dresden, Germany? Didn't the Allies drop nuclear weapons on Hiroshima and Nagasaki on purpose? And, um, and even by asking those questions, you can see that there is no war that does not have civilian casualties. And the legal arguments, I suppose, um, would be that those were necessary strategic steps to defeat those countries. In the case of the atom bombs, um, it was a shocking um, decision on purpose that caused the Japanese emperor to surrender, saving a million casualties. But the idea of killing civilians inadvertently or collaterally is obviously as old as war itself. And actually, and although everyone's against killing civilians, civilians being killed happens in every war. And it is not on its face illegal. Obviously, everyone wants to be as careful as possible. But one of the reasons why Hamas is that legal category that I just showed you is that they deliberately hide behind civilians. They deliberately target civilians with their rockets aimed at Israel. And just this astonishing thing of taking civilians hostage and torturing them. And like that's just not done in war. You take soldiers as prisoners of war, but you don't torture them. During the Second World War, uh, Canada and the other allies took thousands of German soldiers prisoner. And they didn't torture them. They, they actually sent them, in many cases, to Canada, where we had prisoner of war camps in, for example, my home province of Alberta. It's just astonishing that we have normalized the taking of civilian hostages and their torture as, as if that is not the... It would, be, it would be as if negotiating with slave traders or pirates in eras past. And um, the fact that Hamas's terrorist leadership hangs out in Doha, Qatar, with the knowledge and protection of the dictator there would be as if there was a city in the Caribbean where the pirates could stay with the consent of the local mayor or whatever. But even that, I'm not properly... I mean, pirates typically stole money. They didn't engage in brutal barbarism against civilians. Now, some pirates um, absolutely did slave trade raids. I won't get into that. Anyhow, hostis humani generis, an enemy of all mankind. I, um, I think about this. I mentioned in my discussion with Avi there that Justin Trudeau... Can you call up Trudeau's original tweet about the hospital, if you can find it? So there's this hospital that Hamas said had 500 casualties. In the end, I don't know if there were actually any, because it looked like the hospital itself was not hit by anything. Um, so when Trudeau condemned that hospital attack, implying that it was Israel, and then when he took days to, to acknowledge that he was misled or allowed himself to be misled. Yeah, here it is. Let me, let me read this. I'm horrified by the loss of life at Al-Ali Arab Hospital in Gaza. Okay. I think anyone would be horrified by the loss of life at a hospital. I'm not sure, again, what the final numbers are there. Hamas said 500. I don't know if anyone was actually killed. 
My thoughts are with those who lost loved ones. Okay. It is imperative that innocent civilians be protected and international law upheld. Okay. Together we must determine what happened. Okay. There must be accountability. What's the date on this? Do you have a, do you have a key scroll down? So this was uh, six days ago. And on Saturday night at 10 p.m., the defense minister said, oh, by the way, yeah, it was Hamas. But so you saw his last line there. There must be accountability. Okay, so what, where, where's the follow-up there? So now we know who did the attack. The Defense Department itself, as if Canada did any direct investigation. Here's Bill. Uh, you, know, you know what? Um, I don't know if you can find Bill Blair's tweet. But on ten, at 10 p.m. on a Saturday night, he put out a statement on Twitter saying, Oh, hey, guys, we've finished our investigations. Oh, would you look at the time? It's 10 p.m. Um which is the most, which is just so on the nose. We are deeply saddened by the loss of life caused by the explosion at Al Ali Arab Hospital in Gaza on October 17. In order to determine what happened, the Prime Minister asked me to task the Canadian forces with preparing an independent analysis. Today I'm releasing its findings. So at 9.51, you can see at 9.51 p.m., Bill Blair, quote, releases its findings. Do you think the Canadian forces did any investigating on their own? Do you think any Canadian soldiers went to Gaza? Do you think Canada had a spy plane in the region? Do you think they had spies on the ground? Of course not. <clears throat> Canada, Canadian government, if they did anything, and I, I don't even acknowledge that they did, um, they would have read what the Israeli government, the French government, and the American government had published, or frankly, what a lot of other media outlets had published, including Al Jazeera, which literally showed a rocket fired by the terrorists landing on Gaza, as apparently a large percentage of them do. But go back um, to Trudeau's tweet just for one second, if you'd be so kind. You can see the last sentence that he had there. He demanded accountability. Okay, so now that he has investigated, as if he did any investigation himself, there must be accountability. So, so when's that part coming? Oh, we thought that a liberal democracy that had just had 1,400 of its citizens raped and murdered, we thought that they did this by accident. So we demanded accountability from them. But now that we found out it's literally a criminal terrorist group, we're not so interested in accountability anymore. So they're actually treating this hostis humani generis, this slavery, barbarian beyond the pale of law terrorist group nicer than they would treat Israel. That's Trudeau for you. Um, and I think because Trudeau and other Canadian politicians like Jagmeet Singh and, of course, the media in general gave credence to the claim that Israel did that hospital attack, I think anti-Semitism around the world was inflamed like a like a gale force wind hitting a forest fire. And astonishing things started to happen around Canada itself. And that's the thing. People say, Ezra, you're too focused on this war. No, I don't think so. 9-11 um, didn't happen in Canada either, but that certainly uh, was of great interest and concern to me. Um, a number of Canadians were killed in 9-11, 
but that's not the sole reason it was interesting and terrifying to me. It was a horrific, here to, you know, before, uh, before that point in time, it was an unimaginable, um, horrific terrorist crime. Like I say, deliberately targeting civilian office buildings. Um, unthinkable before that time. And of course, it, la it launched the world into two decades of war that cost trillions of dollars, cost thousands of lives, and destabilized the world. Destabilized Iraq, gave it to Iran. Destabilized Libya. So many terrible things came from that. And um, I believe the same is happening here. There were, if I'm remembering correctly, about six Canadians who were murdered. And apparently there's some Canadian hostages that may be released. I don't know if I believe that. But that's not actually the main reason I'm concerned. I'm concerned because the world seems to be lurching towards war. And more acutely than that, I'm concerned about what's happening here on the ground in Canada and to a greater extent on the ground in the UK and on the ground in the US as well, which are countless thousands of mainly Muslim migrants who are who, who say that they support Hamas. But we can't just blame it on immigrants because there are many Canadian-born, including white, Christian supporters and sympathizers of Hamas who would probably call themselves woke, who see in Hamas a revolutionary force to take it to the man. And the man apparently being Israel or America or Jews or really anything. So you have this Islamist progressive coalition. Foreign Islamists matched up with domestic communists, I would say. And I've, I'm terrified by what they're doing on the streets of Canada. For example, in Toronto, the city where I am, there's a small restaurant chain called Landwer, L-A-N-D-W-E-R, Cafe Landwer. And I've been there a few times. It's a great restaurant. Very fresh, healthy, lots of coffees and teas and breakfast food and bakery. Um, sort of yummy food. Um, <clears throat> they were named after Moshe Landwer, which you can maybe detect as a Jewish name. He opened the first Landwer Cafe in Berlin in 1919, which was, um, as you can see, about 20 years before the Second World War. Apparently, Landwehr managed to escape Germany with his family in the 30s. And so now there is a land, Café Landwehr in Toronto. Now there are several of them. So Café Landwehr is not an Israeli government institution. It's got nothing to do with Israel, in fact. It was a Jew in Berlin who was chased out of Berlin. And now the namesake restaurant is in Toronto. I don't even know if it's owned by Jews, frankly. Uh, the ones I've been to have a very multiracial staff, as many things in Toronto do. But a mob of pro-Hamas extremists were screaming and shouting at the restaurant and those in it, implying it's a Zionist target. Here, take a look. That's just a quick clip taken by 
the Hamas protesters themselves. I've, I've seen some other clips too. Imagine that, you're just a Canadian. And, and by the way, I, I have no idea if those people in the restaurant are Jewish or not. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm not able to tell that just on site. But that is absolutely identical to what happened to Cafe Landware the first time around 104 years ago. Or, or I guess they weren't run out of Berlin 104 years ago. They were founded in Berlin 104 years ago, and they were run out of Berlin like 90 years ago. And the Germans had a phrase, Kauf nicht, Kauf nicht bei Juden. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but that means don't buy from Jews. There was a boycott on Jewish-owned shops and restaurants and companies, and Nazis would stand, brown shirts would stand out. So can you just go to Wikipedia and, and type in um, Jewish boycott Nazi? Because there's a lot of photos of that from the 30s and 40s. Yeah, just Wikipedia is fine. I just want to show some images. And, I mean, in Berlin, for example, they had department stores and restaurants and um, and... If there were, and that looks sort of, you know, that's got a, what do they call that, an art deco look. Yeah, scroll down. Let's see. So there's a Jewish-owned department store, um, and they're having a boycott there. I don't know if there's more images, but if you go to the Wikipedia link, I'm pretty sure they'll have them. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, let's just look at that one right there. So here you have what I think are... Um, Brown shirts. Deutsch. I can't quite see that. I think it says. Um, oh, yeah, you can see it in the small text at the bottom. Kauf nicht bei Juden. Forgive my accent. Don't buy from Jews. So they're standing outside a Jewish owned store and they're wearing signs saying, don't buy from Jews. Um, there's another one. You can see they've taped it to the window. And you see, I don't know, Deutsch means Germans. And I don't know what that middle line says, but the bottom one says, don't buy from Jews. Kauf nicht bei Juden. And um, I guess they were just scratching out any Jewish names. Here, members of the SA in front of a Jewish shop during the boycott of Jews, April 1st, 1933. So it's very early on. The SA were... Uh, were the, the um, predecessor to the SS. It was basically a paramilitary Nazi group, similar to the paramilitary pro-Hamas protesters we've seen in Canada this past week. Um, I see some terrifying news out of Kingston. Can you call up that story? Kingston, Ontario police say 18-year-old arrested after driver nearly strikes pedestrians at pro-Israel rally. Oh, really? Here, let's read a little bit from the story. Kingston police say an 18-year-old man is facing charges following an alleged hate-motivated incident last week at a pro-Israel rally in the city. Around 100 people gathered at Market Square on October 17th for a pro-Israel demonstration, police said, when the driver of a black pickup truck nearly struck participants who were crossing a nearby street. According to police, the truck was stopped for a red light at the intersection of Brock Street and King Street around 5.10 p.m., but when the traffic light turned green, the truck did not proceed into the intersection. Instead, police said, the driver suddenly accelerated and turned into the crosswalk, cutting off the rally participants as they crossed the street. 
The actions of the truck caused the pedestrians to fear they would be struck. They abruptly stopped and jumped back to avoid the speeding truck, Kingston police said in a news release. The driver was arrested and is facing a charge of dangerous driving. Kingston police also said it's believed the driver's actions were motivated by hate. Police did not identify the accused in a news release sent Friday. Kingston police said investigators are aware of a male individual who was also affected by the driver's actions. Police are asking that this individual contact Sergeant Nessianagan at that email address. Be very interesting. Um, I should say that it is it is uh, common uh, practice by police to wait until a first appearance in court to name an accused. So the fact that they don't have his name there, uh, which they, they know the name and he's not a minor, he's 18 years old, I think we will get that name quite shortly. It'll be interesting to see how this is covered. Would you agree with me that had it been a right-wing MAGA hat trucker type that had threatened to run their vehicle into, say, a Muslim family, that that would be the lead story in every newspaper and newscast in the country, and Trudeau would have already weighed in on the subject, and there would be human rights complaints and national days of remembrance or whatever. Do you, do you doubt it? Um, it's funny. I mentioned truckers because during the trucker convoy, there was a man in Winnipeg. Can you find a headline to that effect? There was a man in Winnipeg who attempted to run his vehicle into trucker protesters. I wonder if you can find that, Olivia. I don't remember more details than that. I think he was charged and convicted. And the fact that I don't know that terrorist's name and that I'm having trouble remembering the details is not that I'm not interested in it, but it had received such modest press coverage. Um, whereas, of course, if, if the shoe was on the other foot, yeah, there you go. Now I remember his name. Far-left activist pleads guilty to running over freedom protesters. 43-year-old David Alexander Zegarak admitted to ramming his vehicle into a group of protesters demonstrating against COVID-19 restrictions last year in Winnipeg. I remember that now. That's an unusual name, Zegarak. Look at that photo there. Yeah, show that picture if you can. Other than Rebel News, and I mean, obviously, we did learn about it from other media. Um, but it's so undercovered, as in so little coverage of it. And, and I suspect that's probably the last you'll hear about this Kingston case. They simply don't want that to be the narrative. The narrative is the Jews are the ones to blame. Palestinians are their victims. Even though 1,400 Jews were just murdered, raped, and tortured, and 200 more kidnapped in Israel, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I have a prediction that the um, accused 18-year-old in Kingston, my prediction is that he's not even Palestinian. My prediction is that he, I, I mean, listen, I'm just absolutely speculating here. Uh, I predict that he is Muslim, but not Palestinian. The reason I say that is that there, there's not an enormous number of Palestinians in Canada, but across 
our institutions, um, being a Palestinian radical is considered the litmus test for being in the in-group, frankly, for white woke leftists as well. Maybe that's who it is. Maybe that's who um, tried to ram his pickup truck into those Israel protesters. But I, I'll bet you a dollar it wasn't actually a Palestinian. Not that I think a Palestinian wouldn't or couldn't do that, but just that this bloodlust is far larger a phenomenon than I think we've admitted before. It's shocking to me. I mean, take Sarah Jama. That's the MPP, the member of the provincial parliament, who was finally kicked out of the NDP today uh, for her anti-Semitic pro-terrorist comments. She's never been to Israel in her life, never been to the West Bank or Gaza Strip in her life. Um, I, I, I'm trying to think where she came from. I think she may be Somali. There really is no connection whatsoever between Somalia and Gaza. Um, she's a, a woke leftist, Black Lives Matter, disabled rights activist. Um, like that's a bundle of things, but Palestinian is not one of them. But she, but every woke activist in the country, yeah, Ontario NDP kicks, kicks Hamilton MPP Sarah Jama from caucus after controversial Gaza comments. Party leader Merritt Stiles said Jama's actions since her comments have broken the trust of colleagues. Um, can you imagine how extreme she must be if the NDP won't be a home for her? Uh, I mean, they'll take anyone. It's quite something. Well, listen, it's 1.39. I want to take a short break to tell you some things that are going on. And we, we play these in-house ads because <clears throat> I want to show you that Rebel News has some stuff cooking, whether it's a cruise, whether it's our Rebel News Live event in Calgary next month, whether it's fun clothes from our store. There's a lot of things going on. We even have a music concert coming up that we're involved with. So I'll see you in a couple minutes. Here's some Rebel House ads. Do you want to start feeling like your pre-COVID self again? You're not alone. The wellness company Spike Support Formula is an all-natural supplement to help people do just that. It was created by cardiologist Peter McCullough and his expert team of doctors to help the people experiencing effects from COVID and the you-know-what. Go to twc.health rebel today. I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. After years, I'm finally coming to Canada. I'm a practicing internist and cardiologist. I've trained in epidemiology. The FDA wanted to block the Pfizer dossier for 55 years. 50% of the lives at that time could have been saved. We were at about 250,000 deaths. Red Deer, Thursday, November 9th. Get tickets at canadiansfortruth.ca. See you Thursday, November 9th. It's summertime now, but the cold Canadian winter will be here soon enough. So I am planning a week-long Caribbean cruise in March with your favorite Rebel News personalities, including myself, Sheila Gunn-Reed, Alexa Lavoie, David Menzies, and many more, plus the woman of the year, Tamara Leach. Want to come with us? We're going to sail out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida on March 23rd. Our first stop will be the beautiful Half Moon Key in the Bahamas, then on to Ocho Rios, Jamaica, then the Cayman Islands, and finally Cozumel, Mexico. 
talk about a great winter getaway. It's going to be beautiful and relaxing and a little bit luxurious. We're going on Holland America line, so you know it's going to be good. But the real fun is that we're bringing some of the most interesting thinkers and doers on the cruise with us for a series of special Rebel News only events on the cruise ship when we're at sea, including panel discussions where you can get intimate and interactive with some of the smartest public policy minds around. It's not just Rebel News staff, it's newsmakers we love to interview on our shows. That's what makes this cruise so special. Over the course of the week, you'll have countless opportunities to talk one-on-one -on -one with your favorite Rebel News personalities in a casual setting. We'll have private Rebel News only receptions and a series of panel discussions with a question and answer session where you can really dig into the issues. And this is my favorite part. Every night, we're gonna have dinner together and we're gonna rotate tables at dinner each night. So you'll be with a different Rebel celebrity uh, every night. and your fellow rebel enthusiasts. So, for example, one night you'll have dinner with me, the next night you'll have dinner at Tamara Leach's table, and so on. How much fun is that? I can hardly wait. If you like cruising already, well, this is truly something unique. And if you've never been on a cruise ship before, this is the perfect way to start with a group of like-minded rebels from coast to coast. You can find out all the details, including the different cabin prices at rebelnewscruise.com. I know you're gonna look back on it as the vacation of a lifetime. We've reserved a limited number of Rebel News cabins, so book yours today at rebelnewscruise.com. We'll see you there. Hey, Ben Shapiro here. This November, the Wilberforce Project is bringing me to Canada. If you wanna fight the woke machine destroying families, join me in Calgary for my talk, hosted by the Wilberforce Project. Go to benshapirolive.ca for info and tickets. Come on out November 25th. It's all aboard the Freedom Train in Niagara-on-the-Lake. You can check Rebel News for updates and also the Freedom Passport site. Tamara Leach, who led the Truckers Convoy, will be sharing the stage with some of the finest international recording artists. Like the Chops Horns from New York City, who's played with Alicia Keys, Stevie Wonder, the Rolling Stones, and many more. Plus New World Sun, just off a European tour. And the legendary R&B master... Hi. Leroy Emanuel. Get on the Freedom Train with Tamara Leach. Saturday, November 25th at Niagara-on-the-Lake Central Community Center, 680 York Road. Get your tickets today at freedompassport.ca. The Freedom Train is coming. Know your rights. Know your freedoms. We're involved in a lot of interesting things, I think. I mean, sometimes I marvel at all the different projects we have on the go in all the different cities too. You know, I admire my, my fellow um, independent journalists at True North and Western Standard, and there's actually more of them now than that. I think we were trailblazers. Um, but I think what Rebel News does well is, first of all, we have a video news reporting focus. So we have commentary, of course, that's what I do every night. But I think our, one of our great strengths is we're on the ground with a camera showing you what happens. That's what Avi's doing in Israel. Now, tonight, there was no war uh, because this uh, hostage release was happening. So there wasn't much to look at visually. But being there on the front line of a conflict with a camera, I think, is is one, one of the things we do. The number of cities we're in, Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa. It's uh, It's incredible. And, of course, Australia. 
we do conferences. We've got, I'd like to get some ads for Rebel Live, um, some freshened up ads, because I'd like to see you there if you're going to be in the Calgary area on November 18th. We've got a great lineup that day, and I'd love to see you there. Um, books. You saw Tamara Leach in one of those projects there where we published her best-selling autobiography called Hold the Line. We published other books too. We um, published Avi's autobiography. We published um, a new edition of 1984. Can you put that on the screen just for a second? And maybe I'm a maybe I I have an affection for this project because it was my idea, but I think that the book 1984 is such an important book, and. It's in the public domain now because the author died more than 70 years ago. So his work, anyone can publish it now. So what we did, as you can see there, is we took the book and we commissioned an amazing graphic artist, Paul Ravoche, to, we, to uh, do 30 original pieces of artwork, very gripping, to illustrate the book. So it's not a comic book. It's the original manuscript, unaltered. Not even one letter is different. But there are 30 of those uh, images in there. And even the text is laid out in a nicer font. It's easier to read. So I'm very proud of this book. It's not going to be a, a white-hot bestseller at any one given moment. I'm hoping that it's going to be a slow burn all the time. People buy it and read it. And... Um, so that's an example of another project. Yeah, show that image that you had there. Just show a couple of the interior images. I should have a copy of the book here that I just flipped through. Big Brothers Watching You. That's a theme from there. Two Minutes of Hate. There was all these, all these ideas that we got from that book. And it's so relevant. That's Two Minutes of Hate, which was a concept for hating the official enemy for Trudeau, that would have been the unvaccinated, of course. Uh, thanks for showing that. I just wanted to, to mention some of the things Rebel News is doing, and I'm very proud that our whole team does them. Um, I want to, uh, let's see how we're doing for time. We have about just over 10 minutes left. There's three more items, news items I want to get to. Let's wrap up with the war and Hamas and terrorism with an interesting video that came as a bit of a surprise over the weekend. Um, Justin Trudeau has not been to a synagogue since the horrific attack on Israel some 17 days ago. He just hasn't, didn't occur to him to do it. Uh, He's not for the Jewish state. He he hasn't said anything about these hate rallies on the street. So that would be off-brand for him to show any support for the Jews, even after the, the death threats or the attempted, you know, driving the truck into people. The idea that Trudeau would actually go to a Jewish synagogue and say, hey, I'm with you, it, never, it would never occur to him. Uh, rather, he went to a Muslim mosque but it was so interesting that because he wouldn't fully come out and say, go Hamas, kill Israel, like he wouldn't go all the way, they booed him, 
which is interesting. I mean, I don't know how much more pro-Hamas you can get. He literally promised them $50 million. So, and listen, he's not alone. Joe Biden is sending $100 million to Hamas. And when I say Hamas, I mean um, Hamas, the terrorist group, runs Gaza. And so when you give aid, you're giving it to Hamas. So both Biden and Trudeau are rewarding Hamas for their attack on Israel. But that's not enough, apparently. I want to show you the reaction when Trudeau showed up at a uh, Greater Toronto Area Mosque. Take a look. The Prime Minister has been a good friend to the Muslim community of Canada. We've been making fun of Muslims all year. The, the prime, making fun of Muslims all the prime year. Minister has a difficult, difficult situation in which he is dealing. That you would As well, we have the Prime Minister here. We have ministers of the crown here. We have MPs here. We ask all of you. We ask all of you to listen to them. And if you want, please engage in dialogue because dialogue is important, not yelling at each other. Please, please help us welcome the Royal Honorable Justin Trudeau. You're Um, I guess if you really believe that Israel is illegitimate, if you believe that they are mass murderers, um, then I suppose you would think that Trudeau has not gone far enough. And perhaps the people saying those things mean them and believe them. I mean, I guess that would be Occam's razor. The simplest explanation for people saying things is that they mean them. Um, they certainly taught that way in universities. Uh, all the woke activist groups think that way. The mainstream media won't even call Hamas terrorists. So uh, if you relied only on the mainstream media, you would not think they're terrorists. You would think Israel's a terrorist. I mean, after all, didn't they bomb that hospital and kill 500 people? Um, I guess uh, the idea of deprogramming that hate cult isn't even... I mean, that to me is the long-term crisis. I don't know what will happen in this war if we'll see a total global conflagration. Um, but what I've seen in Canada is a long-term problem of people who, who feel compelled to joyously celebrate the slaughter and barbaric torture and murder of Jews. Um, like, like the descriptions of, and you don't even need a description. So many of these terrorists live streamed what they did 
and it's it was horrific. I don't know if uh, anyone under forty years old might not know the name Carla Hamolka or Paul Bernardo. They kidnapped, raped, tortured, killed girls in uh, the St. Catharines area, if my memory is correct, and that was thirty years ago. But probably the most macabre murderer, or one of the most in Canadian history. Uh, I remember as a I remember as a young person reading, I was young, I was in my early 20s, reading that coverage and feeling sick about it. I met a reporter who covered those and, and, and actually developed a kind of traumatic, post-traumatic stress disorder kind of psychological breakdown from hearing the horrific, horrific details of the barbaric crimes. Um, imagine if there were celebrations on the street for Paul Bernardo and Carla Holka, if people were cheering them, if people were making posters with them, if people were mocking and denying the deaths of their victims, that's how I, that's how far I think we are. All right. Well, let's shift gears slightly. Um, Parliamentary committee drops investigation into the hero's welcome for SS uh, officer. This is just quite a story, isn't it? Then Speaker Anthony Rota presented Yaroslav Hunka 98 as a national hero, but resigned on September 26 under threat of censure by Parliament. So for a brief moment there, when the world's attention was on this Jew-hating Nazi, as opposed to the other Jew-hating neo-Nazis, um, Everyone said, yeah, I want to get to the bottom of it. Yeah, it was Anthony Rota who did it. No one else knew. The RCMP who were doing security for Vladimir Zelensky, they didn't know. And this prime minister's office that micromanages every news detail, they didn't know. And no one knew other than the Speaker of the House. We totally, totally didn't know. Only he knew. Um, so now that the world's attention is focused elsewhere, the... Um, the government and their allies. Uh, let me read a little bit more here. Um, according to Blacklock's reporter, Cooper, that's Michael Cooper, tabled a motion for the committee to investigate the incident. Most MPs voted not to discuss the issue in public, then concluded the meeting without comment. So it's done. There will be no inquiry. Um... Because it's too embarrassing for the liberals. And if you ask too many questions about 90-something-year-old Nazis being allowed into Canada, someone might ask about Michael Tromiak, who was Christian Freeland's grandfather, who was a Nazi, being allowed into Canada. Someone might ask embarrassing questions about that, and we can't have that. Um, I want to shift gears to... What I think is good news, I actually have not re read this news story yet, so we'll read it together, you and I. Crown drops bail violation charge against Freedom Convoy organizer Tamara Leach. I don't know if you saw, but last week I had a great conversation with our newest rebel, Robert Krejcik, uh, who's been doing a good job covering the trial in Ottawa. I was there for a day, and I think... Robert says I chose the worst day to come because they had a bureaucrat testifying who very early in the day said, I've never met Tamara Leach, never spoken with her, never emailed her, never seen her, no contact with her. I know nothing about her. But now let me testify to my thoughts and feelings about the, 
about the convoy for the next eight hours. So this is a tr this is a trial upon which Tamara Leach's freedoms hinge, and her co-accused, her co-defendant, Chris Barber. So uh, w your feelings about the convoy and that you need therapy and you just want a shoulder to cry, and that's all very interesting, but her criminal trial is not the place for that. Her criminal law, her criminal trial is to get all the facts into evidence, have that evidence challenged, poked, prodded, reviewed, cross-examined, and put before the judge along with the law, and then determine whether or not Tamara Leach broke the law. Instead, and, and Robert says I was there for the worst day of it, I listened to hours and hours of some city bureaucrat who didn't know anything about the trial, but just really wanted to talk. And frankly, it was outrageous that the court allowed a literal know-nothing, a confessed, admitted know-nothing. And I'm not saying that as an insult. He just knew nothing. I mean, why don't I go testify about Tamara Leach? I had never actually interacted with her either until after the convoy. I, di I didn't meet her or talk to her until after. So I can give you my punditry. That's what this guy was. He was a pundit. But he was under oath, being asked questions by prosecutors, at enormous expense to the taxpayer. It was so frustrating. I had thought that I would be going to Ottawa all the time to cover this trial, but I just, I just, I mean, I, I, I couldn't. Robert says things more interesting than that have transpired. So let me read this story. I have not seen this story before. Let's read it together. Can you show me the headline just for one second? Crown drops bail violation charge against Freedom Convoy Organizer Mayor Leach. Um, the Crown is no longer pursuing a criminal charge against Freedom Convoy organizer Tamara Leach, alleged that alleged she violated her bail conditions last summer. Oh, right. That's when she was in uh, Toronto for a Freedom Gala, and someone took a picture of her, and in the picture was another trucker, and she was arrested for that and jailed for that because, oh, you're breaking your bail conditions. It was a disgrace that she was arrested. They put out a national warrant for her arrest, which is very rare. That's what you do if, like, there's a murderer on the loose. Let me read the story. <clears throat> this, by the way, is in the Toronto Star, which hates Tamara Leach. The Crown is no longer pursuing a criminal charge against Freedom Convoy organizer Tamara Leach that alleged she violated her bail conditions last summer. The bail violation was scheduled to be heard in court next week, but the Crown stayed the charge in the hopes of using some of that time to deal with Leach's main charges. Given that the substantive matter has gone on longer than anticipated, the Crown wishes to prioritize it and see that it is completed, that probably means completed, in a timely fashion, Crown Attorney Siobhan Wetcher explained in court Monday. Yeah, they were too busy giving nine hours to this bureaucrat to give you his th thoughts and feelings about the convoy. Leach was released on bail in early 2022 after spending more than two weeks in jail following her arrest in the final days of the protest. She was allowed to return home to Alberta. Later that summer, she was arrested in Alberta on a Canada-wide warrant after being photographed with one of those organizers in an award ceremony in Toronto. She spent another month in jail before being released again. Leach's lawyer, Lawrence Greenspan, said the breach charge never should have been laid in the first place. So a small win, but damage done. She served a grand total of 49 days in prison, most of which was for that inappropriate charge that they just dropped. And I would say they dropped it for reasons of government incompetence, because they're, they're not managing the trial. But if I think I told you this analogy before. I'll, I'll say it again. If there's one witness that saw you do something, 
I was there, Your Honor. I saw it with my own eyes. And by the way, I filmed part of it on my phone. And by the way, there's a closed circuit TV camera that captured it too. Uh, I remember exactly what happened. I saw her do, do it, Your Honor. I saw it plain as day. That's a terrifying witness. One witness is all you need. But if you've got, is it 22 witnesses that they were planning to call against Tamir Leach? None of them, not none. Most of whom had never even met or heard of her, dealt with her phone or emailed her, or talked to her, knew about her. You're calling 22 witnesses because you got nothing. If you had something... You would just call it. You wouldn't. Why would, like, they had this Zexy Lee, who we talked about the other day, who, like me, had never met or heard of Tamara Leach. Or maybe she heard of her, but she had never met with, interacted, observed her at all. But she was given the whole day just to talk about her feelings. Um, that probably works on stupid CBC reporters or other government journalists or people who hate the truckers. But I think that this judge, from what I've seen, what I heard, what I read, I, think, I don't think that's working on the judge. In fact, if anything, I think the judge has got the prosecution's number here pretty quick. Um, as you may know, Rebel News published Tamara Leach's autobiography. I mentioned that earlier in the show. And our cousins at the Democracy Fund are crowdfunding her legal defense. And I think the book was a great success. It was the number one bestseller. And I think that the lawyers are going to win, too. I think Tamara Leach is going to win her trial. Now, you should never say that. You should never never tempt fate. And a judge doesn't—a judge is sort of poker-faced, right? But the absolute lack of—like, it would not surprise me if Lawrence Greenspawn, the criminal defense lawyer, who's excellent, by the way, and I, I don't think I would say that lightly. I mean, I met a lot of lawyers in my day. He's excellent. I think there's a real chance he, uh, after the prosecution has done their witnesses, that Greenspan says, Your, Your Honor, um, we, we're calling no evidence. We're calling no witnesses. Uh, let's just go straight to final arguments. There's nothing here, Your Honor. Like, it wouldn't surprise me because there's so little that the prosecution has. I mean, why even call Tamara Leach as a witness? That would just give the prosecution a chance to cross-examine her. Why even bother? They have nothing. I think it would be quite dramatic for Greenspan to say, yeah, Your Honor, we don't, uh, we're not going to present any evidence. We're, we're just, we're done. Let's go straight to a verdict. Here's our final thoughts. I'm not sure exactly how that goes. I didn't really practice criminal law when I was a lawyer 20 plus years ago. But um, something like that, if you know what I mean. Well, it's 2.04. I saw a super chat earlier. Um, let's just take a look-see. There it is. Fraser McBurney, five bucks. I met a friend at Hamilton City Hall. The sidewalk has been under construction all summer. The sidewalk did not need rebuilding. They could have used the money for the homeless. All right. Uh, I haven't been to Hamilton in um, six months, so I... I you know, that, that city, in, in, it needs a bit of an infrastructure refresh in some ways. I think a lot of Canadian cities do. Um, maybe if we could stop wasting money on foolish infrastructure like windmills and solar panels and giving money to the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank so China can build infrastructure in Asia, maybe, maybe we could rebuild our own infrastructure. It's 2.04 Eastern Time. I'll be back at 8 p.m. Eastern Time for my show, The Ezra Levant Show. 
where I'm actually going to uh, show you, I think, the most impressive journalism I have seen in the 17 days of this terrorist war. And interesting, it was conducted by a Saudi state broadcaster, the best journalism of the war. I'll show you tonight on my show. And uh, you can listen to that show for free as a podcast, as an audio podcast. But if you want to see with your eyes the video, which I very much encourage, go to rebelnewsplus.com, click subscribe, and that's the video version of my nightly podcast. All right. From all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters to you at home, until next time, goodbye, and keep fighting for freedom.